listening to the Dr. Claude Kirshner Show. My name is Dr. Claude Kirshner, and we are here to serve organizational leaders and agile teams who strive for excellence and differentiation. I hope you enjoy the content. If you have any questions or would like some additional resources, please visit our website at www.archconsults.com. Enjoy. Wouldn't you, as a, as a follower, want your captain to demonstrate that not only he's capable of helping you through this task, but he's willing to go first. He's willing to walk in first, and he's not going to leave until everyone makes it out. Leadership. Today, we're going to really define what leadership is and the difference between formal and informal leaders. There's a difference. Being able to establish your leadership role and identity, being able to have power within an organization, having authority is a more formal structure. Being able to have some more relational equity, to be able to have these informal powers, to coerce people, to bring people around ideas, doesn't always require formal leadership. And we're going to talk about some of that today. We're going to explain the difference between management and leadership. There's always a... Uh, what is the difference? What does that look like? We're going to talk about some of the skills uh, and types of differences between management and leadership and why they're both essential for an organization. We're going to describe leadership trends, really the different kinds of leadership. A lot of people associate leadership with these types of leaders. One of the types of leaders is they talk about these level five leadership skills, servant leadership, authentic leadership, and this, this new terminology coming out called interactive leadership. Compare and contrast personal traits associated with great leaders and those associated with ineffective leaders to understand themselves, understand those around them, and to really adopt the styles and traits and characteristics that they believe will be most effective as a leader. So we're going to explain the categories of task-oriented behavior and people-oriented behavior, really the difference between transformational leadership and transactional leadership, and, and what does that look like. We're going to explain how different types of followership, it's not as glamorous of a terminology to talk about followership, but we're going to talk about what followership is, uh, identify some of the sources of followership, and how to be an effective follower. We're going to identify sources of leader power. This power concept and power dominance is a key factor in leadership and some of the tactics that leaders can have to influence other people. So the nature of leadership. Really, leadership, uh, the definition is the ability to influence people towards the attainment of a goal. So if I was to try to teach my daughter how to cook pasta or lead my daughter through a process of cooking pasta with meatballs, I could effectively be leading my daughter to accomplish a goal of a final dish of pasta. Or if you're the president of a nation, you could be leading the negotiations of a peace agreement between two different countries. And the goal is to influence the constituents and the stakeholders of each country that this is the right thing. And once it's signed, obviously you attain a goal. So looking at it as a small scale and as a big scale, leadership is the ability to influence people towards the attainment of goals. And good management is essential to organizations, yet managers must also be leaders. And really management promotes stability and order within the existing organizational structure. And leaders really promote the vision and the change. So from management to leadership, what's the difference? You know, I hear these, what, what is a manager? What is a leader? Uh, is there a difference? How are they different? Just conceptually thinking about it, a leader drives the company and a manager ensures that the company that's being driven is being driven well and is stable and can be sustained and the operations are intact and there's some logic to the flow of the business. A manager really focuses on rational objectives, maintains stability, assigns tasks to different 
uh, subordinates, make sure the company's organized, uh, analyzes some of the information and has a position of power where a leader is more visionary. A leader is somebody who instills change, somebody who le leads big initiatives and defines sort of the purpose of the organization is capable of empowering managers and empowering other people below them uh, or just other people across the organization and innovates and changes, is capable of not only adapting themselves and learning and growing as individuals, but also adapting to the environment in which they operate and uh, can bring innovation through a company so that the company can continue to exist over time. And really a leader uh, exudes some, some level of personal power. So now we're gonna talk about contemporary leadership. Is the concept of leadership evolved as the, the needs of the organizations change? And leadership has evolved with technology, economic conditions, labor conditions, and social and cultural moves of time, and the response to a turbulent and uncertain environment. And we're going to talk about all of those. So one of the biggest skill sets of being a leader, one of the highest, most important skill sets of really a level five leader is humility. It's being unpretentious and modest, really has a lack of ego and has a fierce resolve to do what's best for the organization. It's not promoting oneself, but really they're accepting responsibilities for failures and they give credit to the successes of the organization to other people. But certain situations, it's important that we understand that asserting power and having some level of, of confidence and being able to have a voice is, is critically important. And that's not, humility is not a silencing, silencing a voice or an over niceness or too kind. Humility is the opposite of that. It's really confidence of knowing when to speak and how to speak and to do it in a manner that's effective and not a manner that really uh, subordinates other people. And those are that, that's level five leaders. The highest level of leader is someone who builds excellence through dedication and humility. And then you look at the next level, which is a level four leader, which is one step down, which is a very good leader. It's called an effective leader. They stimulate high standards, uh, champion dedication to, to the vision. And then you have a competent leader who manages team members and assists to reach set objectives. So you go from a level five leader who's super humble, builds excellence through dedication to an effective leader who stimulates high standards, champions dedication to a vision to a competent leader who really manages particular team members and assets to reach objectives. A contributing leader is contributes individually and works well in groups and a capable leader contributes talent, skills, and knowledge. So these are the five different levels of leadership, according to one model. I love this terminology of servant leadership. I truly believe Simon Sinek epitomizes it well in his book, Leaders Eat Last. And he talks about how some leaders assume work uh, exists with the development of the worker as much as the worker exists to do the work. So you think about a captain of a, a basketball team or even a, a captain of a small unit or a squad in the armed forces. Wouldn't you... As a, as a follower, wants your captain to demonstrate that not only he's capable of helping you through this task, but he's willing to go first. He's willing to walk in first, and he's not going to leave until everyone makes it out. This is, in essence, the servant leader, and he's ensuring that the people around him are well-served, well-equipped, and trained for the task at hand. And it's, it's just as much about the person as it is about the task in the organization. So servant leadership, transcending self-interest to serve others, the organization and society. Servant leaders give away power. They give away ideas, information, recognition, credit, and money. I believe that true greatness is really found in serving others, uh, galvanizing people around me on my team to act accordingly. Uh, upon additional leaders coming into the organization, sometimes they would see that as a weakness. So we have to be aware as leaders that our, our love for people isn't always looked upon um, as a good leadership talent because certain people don't have those same beliefs. 
But uh, it's up to you how you exude that, how you lead by example. And certainly what's nice for a servant leader to have is an advocate for you that has more power within an organization to lead accordingly. Authentic leadership, understanding ourselves, understanding our self-awareness and how important that is with leadership. An authentic leader really places high value on personal relationships, supporting followers, being courageous and standing up for what one believes and draws on their leadership, self-awareness, self-regulation, alignment to the words and actions towards followers to inspire trust. If you have an authentic leader that you're following, that leader is going to tell you the truth regardless of what it costs them. And they're going to do it with grace. They're going to be able to admit when they're wrong. They're going to be transparent about some of the things they did yesterday or the things that they're thinking about doing today. Uh, they're not going to be the type of leader that just shows up randomly to check in to make sure you're working. They're going to be the type of leader that calls you and say, heads up, I'm coming to the office. I just want to check in on you. And I just wanted to see if I can pull you in for a meeting for a little bit, as opposed to kind of snooping around and being this inconspicuous leader who wants to catch you doing something wrong. They're, they're not like that. So that's the opposite of an authentic leader. And on, an authentic leader, which I believe that we should all strive to be in certain situations, uh, is capable of building trust. I think that's a big takeaway. The authentic leader pursues purpose with passion, practices solid values, connects with others around them, demonstrates self-discipline, and leads with the heart as well as the head. A heart company is a great company, uh, a company that meant, is meant to do well and meant to to bring people along in a mission, vision, and values, but also the company has to be smart in the way in which they proceed that way. So I love this concept of you're, you're leading both with heart and smart. It's not just heart, it's not just smart, which would be more transactional, and just heart would be maybe more charismatic and, tra and transformational, but an authentic leader is capable of doing both. Interactive leadership. This is something I actually uh, sent a message to a loved one and I said that you should look into this because this is uh, something that you would be interested in some leadership styles that you exude, but it's some general interactive leadership characteristics are associated with level five leaders, interactive leadership. And this is leaders that favor a consensual and collaborative process of making decisions and of leading an organization and influence really derives from relationships rather than position, power, and formal authority. An example of this is if there is a, a possibility that there's a group lunch on Friday and you have a budget to do so. Instead of just planning the lunch and ordering the food and doing all the things for your team, which would be very servant oriented, they would ask. They'd say, hey, does Friday work? What do you think about this restaurant? Uh, how would you like this food, this lunch to go? What are some, are you excited about, are you even going to be there? They would collaborate with the people on their team in order to make the best decision for everyone to have the most uh, impactful lunch together as a team, as opposed to just scheduling it, ordering the food and putting it on their followers calendar. That's the antithesis of what a, an interactive leader would do in that situation. So there are differences according to the literature about the men and women and some of the ways that they demonstrate their leadership within organizations. Uh, leadership ability is really developing others. Who does this best in developing others? Women tend to rate higher on their ability to develop others. Uh, driving for results. Women are rated higher than men for driving for results. Inspiring and motivating others. Women are rated higher than men. Solving problems. Men and women are rated about equally. Building relationships. Women rated higher and analyzing issues, women and men rated about equally. So it looks like developing others, driving for results, inspiring and motivating others, along with building relationships, women tend to come out on top of these types of behaviors, which are just some of the behaviors that are needed in effective leadership. And then solving problems and analyzing issues, these two men and women are typically equal on. Very interesting. 
So leadership traits, uh, a lot of literature back in the day, when you think about leadership, and certainly now there's a lot of hype around, well, what makes a good leader? Who is a good leader? And what is their personality? And how is that uh, best utilized to you know, drive results? But the reality is every person's different. Every situation's different. So it's contextual. And a lot of new literature is coming out about uh, maybe a different type of style that is highly effective within an organization if combined with other things. So really a trait distinguishes personal characteristics of a leader. Effective leaders possess varied traits and combine these with their strength. Strengths are natural talents and abilities that have been supported and reinforced with learned knowledge and skills and provide each individual with the best tools for accomplishment and satisfaction. The 10 most common traits among bad managers or bad leaders is doesn't communicate clear expectations. That can be troublesome. Plays favorites. They prefer working with somebody over somebody else. They spend more time with somebody over here as opposed to somebody else. That sucks. Doesn't show concern for my career and personal development. Bad mouths people behind their back. Very difficult. Isn't open or interested in feedback. Wants to prove himself or herself right. Isn't self-aware. Bad, bad. Betrays trust, doesn't listen, and puts his or her needs first. And the worst one is doesn't communicate clear expectations. So this is bad leaders, bad managers. The 10 most common traits among great managers and great leaders is has a strong work ethic is number one. So again, back to Simon Sinek book about leaders eat last. And this concept is Pat, Patrick Lencioni wrote a book about the motive and how some people get into leadership or leadership positions for the wrong reason. They want position, power, maybe more money, but it's the, the opposite case, a leader, according to Patrick Lancioni and certain theories, says you step into it as a responsibility, something that you take on as a duty. And really you're, you're meant to work harder and pull longer hours and have a little bit more sacrifice in your life than you were previously. It's not a, it's not a power or money thing. It's more of a responsibility concept. So stepping into a leadership position isn't going to mean that you can slow down or slack off. It really means that you, you should work harder according to this study. So they have a strong work ethic. They're honest has a sense of humor, this is an important one, is confident, has a positive attitude, huge, makes good decisions, recognizes me or others when I or they do good work, is passionate about his or her job, is highly knowledgeable in the area that he or she manages, has a good grasp for the entire business. So those are just some characteristic traits of good leaders and bad leaders. And there's a lot of things, each one of those can be broken apart into different situations and personalities where you may want a leader to exude this more than something else. Or candidly, some leaders, they're not going to be great at everything. So they're going to have weaknesses. So we have to understand that the people we lead are not going to be perfect. And we also have to understand as individuals in leadership that we're not always going to be perfect to make the right decisions all the time as well. So behavioral approaches. Leaders' traits alone don't explain effective leadership. Two leadership behaviors of task-oriented versus people-oriented. So this is getting into the sweet spot of organizational behavior and effective leadership where uh, we really look into the essence of the style or the behaviors of the leader. And the consideration is really important. The extent to which the leader is mindful of subordinates, respects their ideas and feelings, and establishes mutual trust. There's nothing worse than if you or I as a follower really want to uh, do right for the organization, do right for the people. And we have knowledge based on what we see in the field or what we notice within the customers. And we'd really like to institute some sort of change or maybe a program to make the company better. And when we're wanting to present this program to our leaders or managers, they don't have time for it. They listen and disregard it. They don't respect or honor some of the things we say. 
this can be very troublesome. And even if that happens one time, we may lose. There may be a quiet quit where a subordinate or, or even us, we just decide we don't want to work for this person anymore because they just dishonored our input. So back to this concept called consideration, the extent to which leader is mindful of subordinates, respects their ideas and feelings and establishes mutual trust. This is a big uh, concept. Associated behaviors include supporting, developing, recognizing, and empowering subordinates. Initiating structure, this is more transactional, extent to which the leader is task-oriented and directs subordinate work activities towards goals and attainment. Really, a transformational leader inspires change, motivates mission, vision, and values. And a transactional leader is going to institute the structure, which we talked about earlier, to ensure that those mission, vision, values, and the concept of the company is moved forward. And both are very important. Associated behaviors include clarifying, planning, monitoring operations, and problem solving. Employee-centered leaders versus job-centered leaders. Employee-centered leaders establish high-performance goals, very effective. Display supportive behaviors to subordinates, very effective. That's employee-centered leaders. Whereas job-centered leaders, this is less effective, focuses on meeting schedules, cost management, and production efficiency. Less concerned with goal achievement and human needs. This is employee-centered versus job-centered. Contingency approaches. This is methods of exploring how the organizational situation influences leader effectiveness. So the situational model is focused on great deal of attention on the characteristics of followers and determining appropriate leadership behaviors. Subordinates vary in readiness. So willingness, combination of confidence, commitment, and motivation. This is the, the employees. Are we willing? Are we confident, committed, and motivated to complete a task or to influence this organization? And then, of course, ability, the amount of subordinates' knowledge, experience, and, and demonstrated skill play a role in a leader's ability to be effective. It's, it's a situational uh, characteristic. Leadership is inherently situational, and this literature and these studies really have changed the way we look at leaders. Diagnose your situation. Understand the people around you. Understand yourself and the resources that you have, and then make decisions and lead people according to the aforementioned reality. If you're in a situation where you want to share ideas and facilitate decision-making, you're really working on a participating model. If you're trying to sell, you have to explain decisions and provide opportunity for clarification. If you're trying to tell people what to do, you have to provide specific instruction and closely supervised performance. And then, of course, if you want to delegate, you have to turn over responsibility for decisions and implementation. These are really four different quadrants of delegating, participating, selling, and telling that we have to we have to understand, is this a supportive behavior, really relationship behavior, or is it task behavior, guidance? We need to get something done versus we need to figure out how we're going to get something done, uh, two different concepts. And then, of course, follower readiness. That was leadership style. Follower readiness, are you, are you highly motivated? Are you moderately motivated? Or do you have low motivation? And a highly motivated person is able and willing and confident. Fairly moderate is able but unwilling or insecure. Also moderate is unable but willing or confident. And then of course, low is unable, unwilling, and insecure. More about contingency theory. Leader's style is task-oriented or relationship-oriented. Leadership style is difficult to change. Favorability of a leadership situation can be analyzed in terms of three elements. Quality of relationships between leaders and followers, degree of task structure, and the extent to which leaders have formal authority over followers. How leader style fits into situations. Situations very favorable to leader, situations intermediately favorable to leader, and situation very unfavorable to leader. So a leader-member relations, task structure, and leader position and power. Every single one of these situations is different. Every leader has to assess and understand 
Uh, is this a leader member relationship situation? Is this a task situation? Is this a leader position power situation? Uh, is the situation favorable for me or is it less favorable for me? Um, how do I work through and navigate these different styles? Substitute for leadership, something that makes the leadership style unnecessary or redundant. You think about if the vision or mission or values are very much embedded and they are embraced by an organization, is it important that between before every single meeting that we restate uh, these mission, vision, or values every week with the same team? Not really. If you see things going on that are going right, sometime a leader can actually interfere with that and they need to assess whether or not this is something they should come in and do something about or whether or not this is something they should just clap it up and encourage. Neutralizer is something that counteracts the leadership style and prevents the leader from displaying certain behaviors. You know, a key neutralizer for me is I worked for many years with my father and what I would want to do is I would propose to my father certain ideas or I would propose something that I know is right for the organization, certainly right for him as one of the owners of the organization. And he would allow me to do it, but he would be complacent or non-participative. He really wouldn't care whether I did it or didn't do it. And this was a neutralizer for me because it would prevent me from putting in the extra effort because I would notice that to him, it didn't really matter. So obviously I got over that and matured. It didn't really matter whether or not he approved or disapproved. I was going to do it anyways. But the point is he neutralized me uh, or didn't even know he was neutralizing me just by his lack of participation or his lack of excitement about a particular initiative. Again, the neutralizer is something that counteracts the leadership style and prevents the leader from displaying certain behaviors. So in a situation I just described, maybe the behaviors that it would prevent is it would uh, prevent me from wanting to spend that extra time presenting the composing that presentation to my team, or it would uh, prevent me from putting in some extra hours, or maybe it would prevent me from allocating additional resources to it uh, if it wasn't supported or if it was uh, not encouraged by, by the leader. Uh, you got organizational variables, task characteristics, and group characteristics. A variable there would be group cohesiveness, formalization, and flexibility, low position of power, physical separation. These are organizational variables that could neutralize uh, or substitute leadership. This is a great one, charismatic leadership and transformational leadership. Charismatic leadership, you think of Martin Luther King, you think of uh, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Mahatma Gandhi. These are leaders who are capable of stimulate people to change their personal values, articulating a clear, appealing vision, exerting idealized influence and providing inspirational motivation to stimulate people to do more than they would normally do despite obstacles and personal sacrifice. Source of charismatic leaders impact, a lofty vision, ability to understand and empathize with others, empowering and trusting subordinates. There's a story about the mayor of the city of Atlanta after George Floyd was murdered, she was was able to curtail the amount of violence and rioting that was happening in the city. It was it was considered to be a peaceful protest, but the protest kind of got out of hand, and the protesters started getting violent. They started looting, uh, setting fires, and very quickly she was authentically able to get up as an African American woman, empathize with the reality of the situation that just happened, talk about her emotions involved with it, but very candidly ask to plead to the rioters or the peaceful protesters to stop doing what they were doing because it was not helping. And really establishing that trust, uh, definitely talking about the need for changing of these policies with the police force and everything surrounding around uh, George Floyd. But she did it in a manner that was charismatic. 
uh, vision is attractive, ideal future that is credible, yet not readily available. Transformational leaders versus transactional leaders. The transformational leader uh, is really capable of bringing out innovation and change, where a transactional leader really initiates structure and provides consideration for followers, but also requirements and tasks for subordinates. The subject of followership. In order to be a good leader, we also need to be a good follower. We also have to understand what is followership? Why should I follow others? What does it mean to be a good follower? How can I become a follower in order to learn about being an effective leader? Organizations don't exist without followers. I mean, that's the reality. Dimensions of follower styles, independent critical thinking versus dependent uncritical thinking. So a critical thinker is somebody who independently is mindful of the effect of their behavior and achieving goals. An uncritical thinker just really fails to consider the possibilities beyond what somebody's told and just accepts the idea uh, about what others are telling them to accept without actually thinking about it. Active versus passive behavior. Critical thinkers are active. Uncritical thinkers are more passive. And the types of follower determined by level of passivity, independence, and critical thinking. Alienated follower, an independent critical thinker, but is passive in the organization. This is sort of like a quiet quit. They are smart, they're critical, but they're sort of passive. They, they don't want to go the extra mile. They may not raise their hand when they hear or see something that's not right. Uh, that's an alienated follower. A conformist is a follower who participates actively in an organization, but does not use critical thinking. We had a somebody like this in my previous organization that would really just follow instructions and just do as they were told. But in the process of doing as they were told, they were not adaptable. They weren't capable of really assessing a situation and maybe pivoting. They would just, they, they'd take it, whatever was said to them, whatever instruction, they would just take it as is and they would execute. Good and bad. Pragmatic survivor, a follower who has qualities of all four follower styles, depending on which fits the prevalent situation. So they're uh, they're not sitting on one particular value system or one particular approach, and they're just sort of changing depending on the person that is rewarding them, or they're changing depending on the situation. They don't really have that firm foundation of, I'm not willing to compromise on these particular things. They're survivors. Passive follower is one who exhibits neither critical independent thinking nor active participation. Again, quiet quitter. Effective follower is a critical independent thinker who actively participates in the organization. That's an effective follower. Styles of followership, you have a conformist, you have passive, you have effective, and you have alienated. Okay, power and influence. What is power? Potential ability to influence the behavior of others. So you have influence versus power. Influence is the effect that a person's actions have on the attitudes, values, beliefs, and behavior of others. Hard position power, legitimate power. Power that comes from a manager's formal position in an organization and the authority granted by that position. For instance, a, a CFO is capable of going to the bank and saying, we need $50,000 to buy a tractor, or we need $150,000 to put a deposit on this new location that we have. They have the formal authority to work with the banker to get approval to make that money decision. Where you have reward power, which is results from the authority to bestow rewards. So if you're a manager and you have a budget of say $10,000 a year to provide bonuses to your staff and your employees based on performance, your staff and your employees as a manager know that you have this power to give them a reward. That's important that one, they know that and that you have that. It's a form of power called reward power. Coercive power, which is 
not always a great power to have, you think about someone who's coercive, uh, stems from the authority to punish or recommend punishment, coercing people through punishment. If you don't do this, I will do that. Some of the examples are if you have an initiative at your organization that is a volunteer initiative, you're asking people to come in and pack backpacks for a local school because that school doesn't, the, some of the students in that school don't have the resources for food. So you're providing with, the, with food sort of a community service event. And the manager says to their subordinates that I expect you to be at this event. Uh, I expect you to be here. And if you're not there, then I'll treat you less uh, as opposed to just asking them to come and whether they come or don't come, it doesn't really matter to them. But instead they're insinuating that they'll be punished if they don't attend. And you have expert power. This is personal soft power. And when you have expert power, you think about a medical doctor, a medical nurse, you think about a, a social scientist, you think about a teacher that has a doctor degree. Uh, they have power simply because they know something that I don't know. And I need their help in attaining this goal through what they have in their head, their knowledge. Or you think about a person who is a stonemason. They're very crafty with stones and you're looking to build a new uh, retainer wall in your landscape garden. You're going to need their expert power in order to make this project the most effective. Then you have referent power, which is results from characteristics that command subordinates, identification with respect and admiration for and desire to emulate the leaders, identify with you and respect and admire you and desire to emulate this, this particular leader. It's, it's a form of power when you see that in subordinates and it allows for some level of, of control. Other sources of power, not from organization or individual personal effort, network of relationships and information. Assert your influence, appeal to a higher authority. Use rational persuasion, ask for what you want, help people to like you, rely on the role of reciprocity and develop allies. These are some key critical guidance structures for interpersonal influence tactics for leaders. Today, we're able to really define leadership, talk about the difference between formal and informal leaders. We were able to explain the difference between management and leadership and why organizations need both management and leadership to be effective and working well together. We were able to describe leadership trends emerging in today's organizations, including level five leadership, servant leadership, authentic leadership, and interactive leadership. We're able to compare and contrast the personal traits associated with great leaders and those associated with ineffective leaders. We were able to explain the categories of task-oriented behavior and people-oriented behavior and how they're related to leader effectiveness in different situations and settings. We described transformational leadership and why it's important and how it's used. We talked about the different styles of followership and how followership is important within organizations and how that's related to effective leadership. We identified sources of leader power and the tactics that leaders use to influence others. In summation, leadership is needed to get anything done. Leaders need to be healthy individuals and understand the people around them and then absorb the best and the most effective traits and characteristics of who they see and emulate in their environment in order to become their own personal rendition of who they are as a leader. Study leadership, understand it, know that it's an iterative process. Always know that you may not be where you want to be, but you certainly aren't where you were in your leadership. Always get better strive on towards the future and become the best, most effective leaders for the situation and the people around you.